Welcome to this week's episode of Unbranded with Mistine Loves You. I am your host, Susie Dean. Today we have the lovely Lucy. You might know her as that pom-pom teacher, the trendy senorita, and Lucy Elizabeth Studios. We talk about same-gender schools, marriage, and finding your creativity and authenticity through style. I can't wait for you guys to hang out with us. We had a blast. I'm so glad that you brought wine to our party. You said. You said. I said free only because every time I do a podcast interview, I've had a little drinky drink with me and pretty much all except for Fraz um, did not. And I felt really weird about it. So I was like, I, I just wanted to put it out there, but I was like <laughs> 50% sure you're going to be like, oh, Drinking's not really my thing right now. And I'm just going to feel like shit. So I'm so happy that you have your wine with you. Well, I am feeling a little bit under the weather, but low-key, I get kind of nervous for these things. So I'm like, I need a little a little wine. I know. I'm not actually nervous. I just, you know, it. It you're a guest. You're like on the no, spot a little bit. I was going to say, me too. That's why I'm oh. <laughs> I know I shouldn't be, but like, you never... I, We've, we haven't talked in person. I've been following you from afar. Like, you don't know mm-hmm. how it's going to go. And then, oh my gosh, there have been like a handful of times when I'm just sitting kind of nervous, overthinking, and then someone says something like really profound and delightful. And I've been listening, but I've also been preoccupied with my nerves. And then I just blank and I have nothing to say. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't know. And it's just horrifying. So, I need to get a little bit loosey goosey before. So that I I'm really, not so well, sorry. cheers. We will have fun. Cheers. Okay. Salute. Lucy, who are you? How do people know you? Tell, introduce yourself. The floor is yours. Hello. Um, yeah, I'm Lucy. I am known on Instagram as the trendy senorita. I'm on TikTok as that pom pom teacher. Um, I teach high school Spanish and I post my daily outfits on social media and some, I, you know, trying to get a little bit more to the lifestyle side, but mostly outfits. Um, I live in Washington, DC. I have a bulldog, English bulldog that I love who is, he's joining me today. And so he, he usually acts up when I'm on the phone, but we'll hope that he is a good boy. Um, and what else? I I also have a small business where I make pom-pom earrings and sell them on Etsy. So you might know me as Lucy Elizabeth Studio on Instagram and on Etsy. Um, and so I just love creating things. I love color. I love fashion. I love teaching sometimes. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. All of us, right? <laughs> yeah. Teaching has its ups and downs. I don't know where to start. Um, but I think I want to start with, can we see your dog, Hugo? Oh, of course. Yes. Can you Hugo. pick him up or is he too big now? No, he's too big. Sorry, my room is oh. a mess. Ugo, hey, buddy. There he is. <laughs> so, yeah, he, <laughs> he sits like he's just like a little old man. He, he was sitting like he has no fucks to give. He's just like straight chilling. Dogs live the best lives, don't they? Like, you are just a little king. Yeah. No, I bet he, living in D.C., you have so many fun places to walk with him and take him to. Oh, yeah. We walk to the Capitol, like, every week. We walk to the Supreme Court. We walk the National Mall. It's like, 
we don't have a yard because we're in an apartment complex, you know, but it's, it's awesome. His favorite place to run around is Union Station, which is just like this big, grand, yeah, train station. And it's like so picturesque. He loves the grass there. And, and yeah, I, I think he, lo- he lives a pretty good life in Washington, D.C. <laughs> what a lucky pop. Have you always lived there? I moved here in June of 2020. Um, I am from move. Minnesota. I know it was a lot. I'm from Minnesota. Um, grew up there. I went to school in Wisconsin at Marquette University in Milwaukee. And then after undergrad, I moved to Baltimore for my master's program. And so I taught in Baltimore for three years. And then my fiance, well, my, he's now my husband, but my boyfriend at the time got a job. He was doing grad school in DC. So he got a good job in DC. And so I decided that I would move to DC. Um, and I have, I've loved it. It's really cool. It's an amazing city. Like I just, like I said, we walked to the, to the Capitol, to the Supreme Court. Like, it's so cool. Um, I feel very lucky to live here. And I just love, like, I, I've always considered myself, like, a, a city girl. Um, I grew up in the suburbs, but I've loved, like, since high school, like, going downtown and going to school in Milwaukee. It was a little bit more urban, smaller. But, um, yeah, I love D.C. It's really cool. Have you ever been? Yes. And that's why yeah. I asked. I live, my best friend and my cousin both live in DC. So I always have excuses to go there. Not that I go that often, but I've gone enough and it's, it's delightful. Everyone you meet, um, has a really cool job and, or is very passionate and intellectual. And you can have like intellectually stimulating com- conversations with so many people. There are really cute fun indie restaurants and then just like cool, diverse food restaurants. And then there's all those, um, speakeasies. I went to a speakeasy that was in a sub shop. You probably know which one I'm talking about. I think so. A sub shop. There's one in like a, it's called like chicken and whiskey. They've got a speakeasy. I am, I'm not up on my speakeasy game. I will say I would love to, if you remember it, send it to me. I'll send it to my friend because you had to walk through, or I'll ask my friend, because you had to walk through a refrigerator door to get... Oh, my husband, I think, was just telling me about this one. Okay, yeah. I've never been, but we got to go. I got to go. It was so cool. And everyone's just like a young, motivated professional. It's It seems like a really cool place to make friends. And I don't know. It's just such a scene. It's such a metropolitan scene. Like, happy hour sounds like such a great place. Yeah. And I agree with everything. And then I also love that it's like an unassuming city too. All of the buildings are really short. And so you don't feel like you're in this urban jungle, like in New York city, like it's not, there aren't skyscrapers. Everything has to be shorter than the like Capitol dome, um, except for the Washington monument. And and it's, it just makes the whole place feel like a little bit more easy, easy to manage. Um, you feel like you get to know it a little bit faster. Like it is really a cool, a cool city to get to know and to live in and stuff. So once you moved to DC, how did you find the school that you're currently teaching at? Cause you teach from what I've gathered at an all boys private high school. Yes. All boys, private Catholic. Um, so 
In Baltimore, I taught at an all-girls private Catholic high school, and that was because the master's program I did was a, it was specific to Catholic schools. So essentially, I got my master's paid for, um, and then they helped me kind of find a job. And so I was working basically for free. Like, I had a very small stipend, and then we lived in community. Um, and I'm not super Catholic, but I did, I went to Catholic grade school. I went to Marquette, which is a Catholic Jesuit school. And so, um, it just seemed like a great opportunity. And I, I like the mission of private Catholic schools. Um, and so when I was looking for my job in DC, I went to actually a diversity hiring fair and only one school, it was in February, only one school. So right before pandemic. Okay. Only one school was looking for a Spanish teacher and it was my current school. And so I, um, like met the headmaster, um, which is such a wow. funny word. Uh huh. Yeah. I met the headmaster and the, um, diversity and equity and inclusion, the director of diversity, equity, equity and inclusion. And I just like, felt like I had known them forever and we chatted a little bit and I dropped my resume and stuff and, a few days later, they asked me to come in for an interview. So I interviewed, I did a demo lesson and like three weeks later, no, one week later, I got the job offer and accepted it. And like three weeks later, COVID hit and the world shut down. And like, I, it was crazy. It was wild. So, um, that's how I found my job. And I was very scared. Like you said, it was a wild time to move. Um, and it was like a wild time to start a new position in a new city, new school, like during the pandemic, teaching virtually, it was crazy. Um, that was a, it was really, really hard year. Past few years have been very hard, but that was like my hardest year ever. We're trying, every teacher was trying to relearn how to teach and like navigate having a hybrid class. Did you do hybrid or was everything online? Everything was, everything was online until like. Yeah, 2021 spring. Yeah, I guess more on that too. Like I never in Minnesota, all, like single gender schools aren't really a thing. Like we have like two in the cities. And so it was kind of wild going to an all girls school. I absolutely loved it. I actually like really understood kind of the single sex education a little bit more. Um, like I saw the benefits. I, I really loved my school. I wouldn't probably not have left unless I was moving cities. Um, and so moving to an all boys school was scary, but at the same time, like I already felt like I knew the, you know, the single sex school world. And so I think, I, and, and I'm interested to hear what you think, but like the co-ed, I don't, I've only worked in a co-ed school during student teaching and during like, um, service learnings. And so, I just like, I'm terrified of going to a co-ed school. <laughs> I think the single sex is a lot easier to manage. You know what you're like going to get. You're able to kind of tailor your lessons and your content to their interests a little bit more. Um, and it's just like fun. They like are totally themselves. The students like girls show up, like no makeup, hair just piled on top of their head. Boys come in like belting songs like they, they're really funny it's but it's a really interesting like setting to get to know your students in
I was expecting you to say that. And I think that's so delightful because as a teacher in co-ed, I feel like it takes the entire first nine weeks to even begin to feel comfortable enough or create a classroom environment that's comfortable enough for the kids to start to show their personalities. And you don't really get to see the extent of their guard down personalities until like the fourth quarter. And it mm. sounds like for you with being in a single gender school, it's you're almost starting out with the guard down personalities out because there's no one really to impress. So then it sounds like you have an opportunity to dig even deeper and get an even deeper relationship and a deeper insight into each of your individual students because of that factor. Is that, yeah. I totally agree. Yes. And one of my coworkers, um, adding on to this, one of my coworkers who went to a, an all boys high school, he said this really awesome thing that I think about all the time. He just said like, in a single gendered school, I mean, there are arguments for, for both and I, and I see both sides of, of liking them or what, but he said that in a single gender school, it actually like creates space for different types of the gender. So like there are the jocks and, and then there are the nerds and then there are the, um, you know, other students who, you know, just different types of, of students. And it really like, it creates kind of space for that versus, um, if you're a boy or you're a girl and you're a boy and you're expected to do this and you're a girl and you're expected to be like this. That's surprising. And I love right? that you would expect like an outsider would expect, especially with males that in an all boys school, they would be even more judgy of making sure that they're fitting into this masculine box. But you find you have, you've been seeing the opposite there. Are they more accepting and more, they're more allowing of other guys to be moving in and out of those different stereotypes. Yeah, I mean, they are adolescents. So of course, like they are judgy and things like that. But I think, I, I do think that, um, and I have seen them kind of find their niche and find their friend groups. Um, and it's been cool. And I think kind of like you were saying, it might be a little bit earlier on, rather than like in a co-ed school when you might, it might take a little bit to open up. Um, so I have witnessed that. Um, and, and yeah, I think it's really cool. So what are the major differences between an all girls school and an all boys school in terms oh of God. just culture? Oh yes. I'm excited. All right. <laughs> I mean, from a teacher's perspective, the biggest difference is the the classroom management and the classroom behavior and the motivation, the intrinsic motivation to learn, to take notes. Like girls are so easy. If you want to be, if you want to teach in an easy place, go to an all girls school. Like it is, it, it, I mean, of course there are challenges, but it is very easy, especially as a young woman, I would say too. Um, but, but they are, they're always willing to work. My girls came in like notebooks out, like no, no distractions. Like they were very on it. And even, even the students that had some ADHD and things like it was, it was, my school was a competitive environment, um, which has plus like, you know, positives and negatives, but they were just very motivated and just on task and, and 
were like dying to hear what I had to say during class. Whereas the boys, it is a lot of handholding. That was my biggest, um, like learning curve. It's, it's, you'll write directions and the girls will just understand or they'll, or they'll know what to do. And the boys, like you really have to spell it out for them. Um, and I'm sure that's similar in co-ed environments too, but that was really a new thing for me. And it, it's led to a lot of frustration on my end because it's like, come on, dude, like, this is what it like, read, do this. Um, but yeah, like for you to understand, I know. And so they, that is like the biggest difference. Yeah. I think too, just like the focus on academics at, at the girls school that I worked at, it was very, it was a very good, um, sports school, but it, the focus seemed a little bit more on the academics. Um, whereas in the boys school, like it is, there's definitely focus on academics and we're a great academic school. Um, but we like a lot of our focus is on sports from a teaching perspective, just like I work with mostly males. Um, so that is a difference. Um, my department and language is mostly, um, women, but there's a lot of male teachers versus at my all girls school. There's a lot of female teachers. What's that difference? Like I would expect working with when I have been in rooms with all male teachers, it is so much more laid back. Everyone's joking. Everyone's just like not really not really stressed about the things that I'm stressed about. And I, I wonder if, if that was the social media department or the, the social studies department that I was hanging out with or if that's like a male teacher thing. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, this is my third year at the school and the first year I barely interacted with anybody. Um, and, and last year was a little bit weird too. So I feel like this is the first year I've kind of like, everyone's been really on campus and everything like that. Um, oh my gosh. Of course, when I start talking, it's like my students, it's like my students. As soon as I open my mouth, they talk. <laughs> Come. <laughs> I think you're right. Every like things are laid back. Um, things are, are less stressful. You know, it's always this mindset of like, we'll get to it later. Like, like don't stress, we will get there. Um, and, and I think in the, you know, working with all women, which I currently do, there's only one, two men in my department. Um, but we're very much just like, let's, you know, do what we need to do. We got to put our whole hundred percent in, which not that my male teachers don't, but there's a little bit. So is your baseline personality more of the type A perfectionist compared to the, we'll, get, it, yes. we'll get to it? Yes. Mine definitely so is. Being in, being in that all male environment is like a really good teaching and learning opportunity for you. Yeah. Um, teaching you frustration teaching you how to be laid back because I was always very much, I have to come to school 30 minutes before or more. I have to be prepared. I have to have everything on the desk after school. I was staying late and the male teachers were like coming to school as the bell was ringing and leaving immediately after and very chill. And that was very, not my vibe, but it was very important for me to learn and watch that and let loose a little bit of control just for my own mental health. So you're, you're more type A too. You think and stuff like that? Yeah. Oh yeah. 
I could see you being a little bit more like type B. Your persona is very like go with the flow and things like that. I've been, thank you for saying that because I've been trying really, really, really hard to be that way and to learn (laughs) being that way because my life was just like driven by anxiety and I was showing up to everything 15 minutes before and just like stomach clenched, always grinding. Like there was a time in my life when I wouldn't let myself do anything enjoyable at night until all of my work was done. And by enjoyable, I mean like take off my clothes from the day and put on pajamas, (laughs) eat dinner, take a shower, watch TV. Like I couldn't, like that was my reward. And that was very unhealthy. So there was times in high school where I wasn't showering, eating dinner until like 11 at night because I had to get all of my stuff done. And that was just how I ran. So in the past two years, I've been trying really, really hard to let loose, go with the flow, say no, reward myself more often. And I have been seeing a difference in my mental health. It has been, it has been wonderful. And I have noticed that I have unfortunately become a little bit more of a procrastinator which I suppose is progress, but it's very unusual. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And I've just been learning to go with the flow. So thank you for saying. Oh, I was just going to say, I, after like the 2020 year where I, I, when I got the new job and I was like stressed all the time, I was like creating new lessons and teaching virtually um, that like really, as it did a lot of teachers, it burned me out. I was super burnt out. And so I, almost, almost got a new job. I like applied and everything out of the teaching profession. And then I decided not to. And I like made this like deal with myself. That was just like, I'm not, I'm not doing anything out of outside of work. Like I want to focus on things I enjoy and my small businesses and like being creative and spending time with my husband and, and we had a dog and things like that. And so like, I, one of my coworkers said that to me. She was like, if you, cause I was talking to her about possibly leaving and she was like, if you decide to stay, like make this your new job, like have a new mindset going into it. And honestly, it's been really great for my mental health. Like I don't bring anything home. I don't respond to emails. I still look at them, but I don't respond to them until the work day. That it was a, it was like a turning point in my teaching career. Um, and it has made things like just a lot more enjoyable. And I've tried to have that like kind of give no fucks mindset too that you're, you said that the male teachers have a little bit of, um, like I am a teacher that cares a lot about my lessons and likes to express cre- like creativity through lessons and likes to really connect with my students. And so I can't just like do n- bare minimum. But I'm trying to be better at, you know, like taking some of those stressors away and and maybe doing the bare minimum just on a few things. <laughs> Was that really hard? How long did it take for you to only do work during contract hours? Because I know I tried to do that and I got I got better at it, but it it just felt impossible to have everything that I wanted to be done during the school day. Was there like a learning curve for you? So interesting because when I, in my first two years of teaching, I was a full-time grad student. And so I had, I like had to get work, my schoolwork, my work done at work so that after school I was going to classes 
two or three nights a week, actually more like three or four nights a week. And, and so it really forced me to like use all the time that I had at work. Um, and so I think that that actually really helped me in like create those habits and, and really, I don't know, it was easy to kind of have that mindset again. And also just having like, like things to look forward to after work, like, like, I don't know, just going on a walk with my dog or going to the store, getting things done or posting my editing reels or making pom-poms, like having something to look forward to after work helps me too. Oh, I know everybody's going to ask this question. How does the drama manifest itself in an all girls school versus an all boys school? Is there everyone asks that? I know. I know. I didn't want to, but curious minds want to. No, it's okay. Well, it makes sense, right? In my personal experience, I had only, I've only worked at each, like I worked at the girls school for three years. I worked at the boys school for three years. Um, I haven't witnessed much drama in either, in either space. Um, the girls, like with the removal of the boys, I think that there's a little bit less, at least in what I have witnessed at, at, in class. I know that there is drama, but it's mostly what I have thought like outside of school. So I don't know. I, I, we, we think like, and that's what I thought too, like going into working in an all girl school, I was like, they're going to be catty and they're going to be like, just girls and they're just like low key and no stress. And I mean, stressed in caring about their school, but there's no, there's no stress about, about some other things, um, that we would expect. Oh, that's, I, I've had a feeling it was going to go that way because, and then same with, I mean, boys don't really bring drama. And I guess in high school, so many of our issues are around either relationships um, or competition and comparison. So I guess yeah. when you're in an all girls school or an all boys school, there's not really a need for competition because you're not really trying to impress anyone. So all the comparisons out the window, and then you don't have the in school drama with the boys and the girls and seeing someone with someone that you like traditionally in like heteronormative relationships. Um, right. so so it does sound like the same gender schools is the way to go if you want a kid to be able to focus on ap- academics and figure out their identity in an like undisturbed way. Yeah, I mean, I think it depends totally on every student, but I think there are, there are benefits that um, you might not think of if you've never had experience with it or never really learned too much about it. So, how did you become a Spanish teacher? Are you Spanish? No, very white. I'm a, I'm a little white girl from Minnesota. Um, and so, no, I don't know. I, I really wanted to be a teacher in high school and I knew I wanted to teach high school. No chance did I want to teach elementary. And so I just kind of was thinking about like, what was my favorite class? And, and I was never super good at Spanish in high school. Um, I didn't take AP. I took like the regular course Um, but I really liked it and it was interesting to me and kind of like, I didn't really want to teach anything else in a weird, like that kind of sounds weird, but I, I, that's really how I fell into it. And so I just kept on studying in college and, um, 
kept falling in love with the culture and the people and the language. And then I met my husband who is Mexican and he is um, a native speaker. We met while we studied abroad in Madrid. He also went to Marquette, but we didn't know each other until our study abroad semester. So it was amazing, like meeting your partner in another country while you're like on the study abroad. It was like a, a dream meeting. And um, so, yeah, he I would not be the Spanish speaker that I am today without him. I think about all the time how like I don't even think I could be a Spanish teacher without him just because I felt so comfortable talking with him. Language learning a new language is all about taking risks and not being afraid to make to mess up, which as a type A kind of perfectionist, it was very hard. So being so comfortable with him from the beginning and not really caring if I messed up in my language speaking with him, it, it like helped me grow my language so much. Um, and so, yeah, it's been, it's been really fun being a language teacher. It's, it's difficult, um, in a lot of ways, but I, I, don't think I would like teaching any other subject really maybe art or maybe like fashion <laughs> so you're completely fluent I mean yeah I think I think yes I'm learning new things every day I make errors all the time um but but yeah I mean yeah I think you kind of gotta be yeah you do I mean that's really badass I um am Spanish yeah my mom and grandparents are came over from Cuba, never learned English. Um, my mom's second language is English. She learned it from watching TV. Didn't mm -hmm. teach me any Spanish, which happens a lot. Um, yeah. I do, I do know a lot and I, I do know a lot, but even coming from like all of my cousins and aunts, Spanish is their first language and that's what I grew up around and I still am just so scared and nervous and uncomfortable to try speaking Spanish with them and they always try to get me to and my mom tries to get me to and I don't know why I'm embarrassed because they want me to learn but oh it can feel so icky sometimes and I so badly wish that I spoke another language and just spoke Spanish especially living in South Florida um so I think that's really cool. And that was probably a really badass moment when you were just living your life and probably speaking Spanish one day and had the realization where you were like, I speak two languages. Did you have that moment where you yeah, were like, I mean, I'm, I'm bilingual. I don't know. Okay. That's so interesting because if I'm being honest, like I am very self-conscious of my own Spanish. And so I don't know, like I, I have sometimes, or I've struggled with like being super confident. Like I know I teach the language, but speaking with native speakers, it's really scary. You, you feel like you are being judged. Um, sometimes I think there's this expectation that because I teach Spanish, I should be perfect and I should have this amazing accent. And I think that that is really difficult. And I've heard some other Spanish teachers talk about this. Um, this feeling of like not being perfect enough at, at the thing that you do as your job. And so, um, sometimes it's hard for me to like 
yeah, feel confident in my ability, even though I totally should. And I should feel like I'm this, I'm bilingual. Like this is so cool. It was very difficult and it, it is, it is hard every day and it is work every day to keep up with it. Um, and something too that like I only started to kind of realize now is that teaching, like teaching, even though I'm teaching Spanish one and three, it's not necessarily like, I'm not necessarily keeping up my own skills. Like I'm speaking at a very low level. And so for me to keep up my own skills, it's work. Um, and so my husband and I have, well, I mostly have been starting. He, he, um, moved to the United States when he was seven. And so he like is very, he's fluent in both languages. Um, but he's like, he doesn't necessarily want to lose his Spanish because it really is like a use it or lose it. So I, this year started this thing where like we would talk about our days only in Spanish. And honestly, it's been helping me a lot. Like I'll come home and I'll say like, okay, our Spanish hour starts now. Um, and so that really helps me and just, yeah, letting go of like the fear of making mistakes. Um, it's really hard. And I try to tell my students that too. Like that is the biggest, um, obstacle in learning a second language is just letting go of that fear. So, I don't know if you just are able to have the mindset of like, I'm going to make some mistakes. I'm going to make a lot of mistakes and everyone is going to know that I'm making errors, but that's okay because the only way to get better is to practice. I don't know if you can try to like manifest that little mantra, maybe, and maybe just choose like one or two people that you could feel comfortable with and like really start to, I don't know, just like try to chat a little bit. You know what I mean? I know. Yeah. Cause it's really the talking part that, gets you there. I, I took, um, do you have ACE at your school? Do you know what ACE is? Yeah. So oh, I took Wait. Spanish. No, I don't have ACE. Okay. So Different it's like thing. the equivalent of AP essentially. Okay. So I took, um, I went up to AP Spanish, but the problem was that it was all learning how to write. So it was all writing essays in class. So I got really good at being able to pull up my Spanish while writing, but in the moment when I'm talking, so incredibly difficult. So it really is the speaking part that not only helps you with word recall in the moment, but also helps just with your efficiency. Because one of the problems that I have when I do try to speak with my mom or my cousins is it all feels way too fast. And then I just get incredibly intimidated. Um, but I think that it's, I know that it's you're, you're not maintaining your Spanish as a teacher because it is very low level, but Spanish three is a big deal. That started kind of when for high school, that's in my opinion, when I really started to learn Spanish, um, cause there's so much grammar and subjunctive like fucked me. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's hard. Um, uh, so the, the Spanish three that I teach right now, they're not going to move on to AP. Um, um, and so okay. it makes it a little bit, a little bit easier. It's like the, it's like the traditional class and not the, not the honors, which typically then would move on to AP. But I get you. The, the grammar starts getting hard. Like you think you got it. And then they, we add all these different tenses and yeah, structures. It's a lot. 
Well, I want to also, I want to switch gears a little bit and go back to something you said earlier, very at the beginning, which was you post your outfits and you're like, um, fashion, but you're starting to move into lifestyle. And I really love that because I, if I'm being honest, was doing my research on all of your platforms, trying to figure out who Lucy is outside of the classroom and outside of fashion. And I was really curious and I know about Ugo and I know about your marriage and I know about going to Hawaii. Um, but I really want to know who is Lucy outside of the classroom? What is the average day weekend? What is your lifestyle? Like, what is your, what is your brand identity? <laughs> um, I'm glad that you want to know more. I, I, it's just a, a little seedling of a dream to just do like, like more lifestyle, um, like content, I guess. I love a happy hour. I really love exploring cities. Oh, and I'm a huge foodie. I'm a huge foodie. I love to cook. Um, I like, I'm always choosing new recipes and my husband loves that. <laughs> he is like, I'm the biggest beneficiary of your cooking addiction. Um, and I, yeah, so trying new restaurants goes along with that. And like you mentioned about DC, like it is this amazing, there's awesome restaurants. Like every, every few weeks, there's a new cool one opening up. Like the diversity in the food is really, really cool. And it's something that I've never experienced in a, in a city before. Um, what else do I love? I love podcasts and audiobooks. I'm a big audiobook binger. Like I've been reading, I read so much, but I kind of feel like I'm cheating, you know, like I just read the audiobooks. but it's so, it's so nice. Like I can just do dishes and listen to my audiobook, or walk, I walk to school and I listen to my audiobook or my podcast. I've always been super DIY and super crafty. And I love, um, like doing my own nails and, um, kind of girly things and, and stuff like that. Um, also really into interior design kind of, and, and home decor and things like that. So I put a lot of energy into making my space. You can kind of see that in my classroom too, but like making my space a reflection of me and, um, somewhere where I feel like inspired and at home and comfortable and things like that. So, oh yes, very oh, yes very much love your apartment and I really admire it because my mom's like kind of an interior decorator and I did not get any of the creative gene. So I admire watching other people do that and you really pulled it off. Have you always been into art? And cause you said you also, if you were to teach anything else, it would be what art or fashion. Have yeah. you always been into the arts and decor and colors and stuff like that? Yeah, always. Um, I, my mom is super creative. She, I, I, you know, her house is, I've got a whole story highlight on my Instagram because people love it so much. Whenever I go to Minnesota, it's called like parents house on our mom's house, parents house on Instagram. But she has always just been super colorful and eclectic in her home decor. And it's just, yeah, it, it was passed down to me. Definitely. My family is super creative, um, and entrepreneurial. My grandma is like, she had her own business. She was a um, beautician. So she did hair and nails and things like that. And she was a big like crafter. Um, and so everyone always says like, 
I got a lot of her personality and, and her style and things like that. So I love that. Um, but my mom definitely was a big inspiration growing up and now, and I look to her for, for a lot of advice, uh, with, I mean, life, but also fashion and home decor and, um, everything. But she like in the time of when we were growing up, just like beige houses and stuff, I just can't, I can't deal with it. And so my mom always had, she just expressed her, her, um, personality and her love of color and eclectic style. And so I love that I'm able to like have a little piece of that. So she's a buyer at a gift store, um, a, a pretty large boutique in this, in the suburbs of the cities. And she is super creative and she's just like a badass at her job. And so seeing, I think just observing, you know, her, yeah, her style, her sense of style and confidence to have that style, I think inspire that in me and, and seeing someone that you love really be so good at their job and, and express themselves so confidently. And that can be through home decor. Right. But, um, I think it was amazing growing up and seeing that. And, and I kind of grew up in that environment too. So she was the buyer and my, I grew up there. I was, and it's my owned by my aunt and uncle. (laughs) Um, it was, a business started by them. And so all my cousins worked there and I've always worked there. And my cousin is the clothing buyer. And so when I was in college, I was invited to go along to like the market in Las Vegas. There's a few around the country, but it's essentially a big clothing show where you buy clothes for the boutique. And so I was invited to go along and I've gone like eight times now. And that was really inspiring to me too, seeing kind of the behind the scenes of the fashion world and boutiques and how small businesses are run. Just from my own selfish curiosity, did going, does going, did going to those fashion shows give you an idea of what trends were upcoming so you could get ahead of them? Yes, always. And I always share that. I went in August and I'm always posting oh like, my God, uh, what? I'm trying to figure out my MILF era wardrobe. Please tell me what I need to buy. You have that white little, little set. That is definitely MILF era. That was Um, a good one, wasn't it? That one was so good. Yeah. Yeah. I I feel like you're good on that. You're like, you've got your style, I think, pretty pretty defined. Well, this is the problem. Before I was pregnant, it was all boho. Whether that was trendy or not, that's just like where I aligned. It's always trendy. Okay. Well, it's you. always um, free people always always okay, trendy can you describe like you finding your personal style what that process has been like was is it is it in ever evolving constantly experimenting was there a phase where you kind of were like oh my gosh this is like a little bit scandalous something a little bit out of my comfort zone I'm a little bit nervous to see how I, I want to know all of it because I love your style it's so it's so bright and you the way that you style things, I, um, it's, it's things that go together that end up so well that I would never expect to put together with patterns and colors. And it seems like that takes one, the eye of an artist, but also it has to take a lot of trial and error. Thank you. That's so kind. Um, yeah, I, 
like I said, I think it's just ever evolving. I think it's also taken a lot of time and effort to come to this place where I feel confident enough to wear a black and white checkered like NASCAR um, <laughs> jumpsuit with a rainbow chunky knit sweater. You know, like this was not what I was wearing my first year of teaching. I was still expressing myself through fashion and experimenting, but it wasn't like this bold. And so I think it just takes some time to build that confidence and build, you know, what, and, and just learn yourself, um, and what you like and don't like. Like there are some things that I just know that I don't like to wear. I don't like to put on my body. For example, I am not a tall boots kind of person. I will wear booties and and, and like calf high, but I am not a, a to the knee boots type of person. And I, I tried to be in college. Right. But like, I get really sweaty, like my knees sweat. Oh my God. I don't get how people do it. (laughs) And like, I wish sometimes I see some really cool outfits with like, like tall boots, but I just, it's not for me. And so just kind of (laughs) learning to like, and, and being okay with that. And I almost bought some the other day and I was like, Lucy, I, you are not this type of person. <laughs> and so tomorrow you're going to know your personal style just because you try something new, you know, like, um, like today, like I, this was kind of scary to wear, you know, it's not like, but, but, you know, I feel I also feel so confident when I feel like it's a true representation of me. Um, the hallways like are my runway. Like I feel so confident when I'm walking down the hall in my cute outfit. And I just feel like the like professional badass teacher. I don't know. It's fun. It's fun. I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, and I think I was going to ask you about this anyway, but there's really like nothing like the feeling of walking into school in an outfit that you just feel so confident in and it just completely changes the trajectory of your day. I know that there were a few outfits that I would put together on the weekend. I'm like, oh my God, this is blowing my mind. I can't believe I just put this together. I cannot wait to wear this. I feel so hot and with it and like on top of my game. And And I would walk into school and the the confidence walking into the room that I exuded made the day good. It made the kids feed off of that positive energy. It just, it felt like every time I wore one of those outfits that made me feel that good and made me feel confident, the problems I dealt with in class were not that bad. The technical issues or lesson plans that I ran into, I was able to easily overcome. The banter and the jokes that I had with my kids flowed so easily. It's just, it's incredible how clothes and outfits can impact your attitude and then therefore your attitude impacts your experience in your day. You know what I mean? hundred percent. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. You're spot on with how I feel too. Yeah. Going back a little bit, it sounds like you're really close with your mom. Yeah, we are. We are very close. We talk like every day. Um, we're, she lives in Minnesota and so, um, but we FaceTime all the time. Very close. It's, it's hard to find that, and it's really special to have one of those types of relationships with your parents. So Agreed. I'm, the- I'm so grateful for, yeah, I feel so close to my parents. I, even though, like, I miss them all the time. I, I 
love them so much. You do your parents live in near you, close to you? I'm very lucky. They I, I actually <laughs> live in the building. So my parents do live seven minutes away. But my dad, um, long story short, he built up this huge building. He owns an accounting firm and he built up this huge building and the second half of the second floor is my apartment. And then the other half of the second floor is his accounting firm. So I like, Oh my God. I know. And I work for him. So it's like very convenient. So yeah. I was going to say now you work for them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm lucky to, I'm lucky to see my parents a lot and have them nearby. But when I was in college, it was really, really hard for my mom specifically. Um, And she would always call me and be like, when are you coming home? And I'd say, you know, spring breaks in just like 17 days, we can count down. And she's like, no, like, when are you coming home for good? Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, my, my mom is always like, you know, if you lived in Minnesota, we could take care of Ugo when you go to a trip, you know, like things like that. And I'm like, I know you're right. Like, like maybe soon, maybe, maybe in a little bit, but like, I don't know. We're loving DC, but, um, no, I, my parents, um, definitely were sad that I've moved away from Minnesota, but what I've, I love about them too, is like, my dad said something to me recently. He was like, you raise your kids to live their own lives. And I think it'd be so hard, but, but I've always so appreciated that with them is their support in me moving to Wisconsin, to Baltimore, to DC. And, and they've been so awesome. And yes, they give me some grief for not living in Minnesota, but I think that they, they always say like, they, they've got a cool place to visit <laughs> in DC, oh, you know, so <laughs> but yeah, I miss them all the time. And, and it's hard. It's hard not living near your family. You also have a really close relationship with your grandma, right? Yes, she passed away a few years ago, but we were very close. Yeah, she, I miss her all the time. Um, she was like a little spitfire and like we said, entrepreneurial and like definitely inspired me so much and, and passed a lot of good genes down to me, I think. And if I'm understanding correctly, is this the grandmother who has the tie to Hawaii? Yes. Yes. So she, yeah. So my grandparents, when my mom, my mom was the baby of six kids and, and she was the baby baby, like 10 years between. And so my mom was in like seventh grade and my grandparents bought a condo in, in Hawaii on Oahu. They just, they went, um, and my uncle who was, you know, like, like a, an adult I mean, my mom was still a kid at the time. My uncle was like, there's a great deal on this, on this condo. And so, um, they ended up, they ended up investing. And so they wintered there for like 30 plus 40 years. Um, and so we, I grew up going there all the time. Like my mom went to half of eighth grade there. Like she, kind of grew up there too, in a way, like my, my grandparents were gone basically the whole winter, um, for most of my childhood. And so we would go visit them and it was just, it was just their happy place. And it it was so in my, like ingrained in my grandma's being, and she would sign all of her texts like aloha 
and all of her Facebook posts and her comments, she'd say aloha. And, and, um, she had such a community there and just loved it. And so, yeah, we, my, we got a, um, tattoo, my mom, my brother, I, and my aunt and my cousin, we got matching tattoos that say aloha. And it's my mom's handwriting. Um, but in memory of my grandma and, so yeah, Hawaii's just always been super special for me with my grandma, but also just like my family has had so many amazing memories there, um, which is why we decided to get married there. <laughs> so um, in we got engaged in December of 2020, and I had been thinking, I had always thought I wanted a large wedding, you know, like you you grow up and, and especially, you know, I'm so, um, you know, I, I love style and creativity and, and events and things like that. And so I always like dreamed of my wedding. Um, but seeing all of these weddings like have to be canceled, just kind of put a new perspective into, into play. I was like, I don't know. It just made me rethink like the whole thing. And, um, COVID wasn't necessarily a factor in our ultimate decision, but we, we just were like, we want to do something really special and it has been a hard couple years. And so we were like, let's do a week long wedding celebration in Hawaii. And so it was a week we were there. It was, it was incredible. We were there the whole week um, on Kauai. Um, and so we booked a house. Everyone stayed together. It was just my parents, my brother, his parents, his sister and her three kids and her husband. And then we had three friends join us. Um, and so we all stayed in the same house. It was like this beautiful oceanfront beachfront house on Kauai and the wedding was on Tuesday. And then we spent the rest of the week just like chilling, doing like cool Hawaii stuff, like Kauai stuff. We went to Luau. We went on like a boat cruise of Nepali coast, which is bucket list, like so cool. And it was like, it was the most incredible, amazing week of my entire life. Yeah. I, I bawled. We were going on our honeymoon for another week to another Island and I was bawling, leaving everyone. I was like, so it was just so, so, so cool. <laughs> it's so special. I also had a small wedding Yeah, and it's so special to, it's so special to have those smaller weddings. And it seems like a lot more people are doing that by choice now as well. It's so intimate. I found that I was significantly less nervous than I would have been otherwise because you're just walking down the aisle surrounded by your friends that you're like, that you've cried in front of, that you don't wear makeup in front of, that you, you've had like wild, stupid, drunken nights with together on the floor eating Taco Bell. And it's just so comfortable. <laughs> and I was just, I was walking down the aisle, admittedly like a little bit drunk with my dad, just waving at all of my friends, so happy that they were there. And it was, it's so, it was so cool to just be so comfy, cozy, and actually have a celebration because so many people that I've talked to that have these big weddings, they um, they don't get a chance to eat. 
because they have to say hi to so many people. And of course, there's the money aspect. They have to spend so much money to host people that they don't really talk to. Um, but their parents make them invite because they're like third cousins. Their parents grew up with them. And everyone's so many people are watching you that you might not really know or haven't talked to in a long time. And it you're getting rid of all of that extra stuff. And you can you I, I can imagine you probably just were able to have fun and actually actually celebrate being married and actually what's your husband's name? Sergio. Sergio. Actually Sergio. Be, be present with Sergio. And 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 soak up what it's like to be in the middle of a wedding. And so that sounds so cool. And I'm so glad that you were able to do that and that you saw that. You saw that everybody was having these small weddings and you were able to choose that and just really make it your own celebration. Yeah. And I still was able to get like my little design fix and, and the little planning aspect. Like even though it was only 15 people, like we still, you know, had to figure out the lighting and the dance floor and what the tablescape was going to be. And, and, um, the D or we didn't have a DJ, but, um, the musician, we had live music for the cocktail hour and, and it was so special. And my mom and I did so much of the planning together. Oh, and I designed, I illustrated our invitations, which was so cool. Um, they, yeah, so my mom and I did so much planning. My mom was, I, I don't know what I would have done without her. Your mom, I'm sure, was very involved in your planning too, even in your small one. But um, we were like, the wedding was over and we were like, what are we going to do? Like, <laughs> it was so, it was so funny. But so did you have a big wedding planned and then you had to scrap it? Ugh. I had a lot of shit happen. Um, not, okay, so... We got engaged in May of 2019, and the original plan was to get married in April of 2020. So, and then we decided to get married in North Central Florida, which is where I went to college. I went to UF. Um, I currently live in South Florida. It's stupid expensive. So everything up in North Central Florida is super cheap. So we went up there and we found this beautiful venue that we fell in love with. It was just, it was just land essentially and magnolia trees and. Mm -hmm. We loved the owners. It was like family owned. It was kind of in the middle of nowhere. It had this beautiful scenic route with all these huge trees canopying over the road and like moss coming down. It was gorgeous. Um, and so in February of 2020 or January, January, February, we got a call from them and our wedding venue had burned down. <laughs> it's not funny, but it's funny. Cause all this shit happened. So our wedding, <laughs> she was like, I'm so sorry. I'm laughing. Um, have you heard? And I was like, heard what? And she said, the barn house burned down. So we were like, fucked. So then we had to make like an impromptu trip back up there and retour all of these venues. And luckily it's such a tight knit community. All of these restaurants and florists and makeup artists and other venues were extending their hours and openings for all these weddings that got canceled. Um, so we ended up booking at a venue that was kind of like my second choice and they opened up for the summer for us. They're usually closed for the summer. So we moved our wedding to July of 2020. Um, in February, we made that decision and then COVID happened. And then we were like, what on earth is we, are we going to do? Oh no, we moved it to April. April 
they had that opening and then COVID happened. So we moved it to July and we were like, of course, this is all going to be over by July. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) People are going to say what they want, but we made the decision to still have the wedding anyway. Everything was outside the ceremony and the reception. Um, But like a week before, I think we had originally like 170 guests and then we went down to 69. I lost like half my bridesmaids, totally fine. Their choice, like totally understood, but I'm like scrambling to, I I pulled in one of my other friends, Ashley, to be a bridesmaid. Thank God. She was like totally okay with me asking her to be a bridesmaid. (laughs) Like I hated doing that. Um, a couple of my really close friends couldn't make it, but it's okay because it ended up being exactly what I needed. It was my super close friends, my super close family, um, pressure was off and I was able to just kind of let loose and enjoy and have a good time and not worry about everything being perfect because so much shit had happened already. I was like, well, what else is going to go wrong? There's a pandemic and my venue burned down. So just right. <laughs> Yeah. I know. And you, <laughs> what did you do? You shotgunned a beer before you walked down the aisle or after, what? Yeah. After. Um, <laughs> dream of mine. I was doing my Pinterest board for my wedding and there was a picture of a bride shotgunning a beer and her husband behind her, like helping her. And yeah. I was not really much of a shotgunner in my, in my life before that, but I was like, this girl is badass and I must reenact this. So that <laughs> whole year I was just practicing every chance I could get shotgunning beers, like on the boat with my dad during football <laughs> games in my living room, um, in the, my friend's backyard. And the funny thing is I learned how to shotgun from my best friend, Colleen and my best friend, Colleen grew up in the keys and she's always said, when you grow up in the Keys, you just learn how to drink on a boat, drink and party on a boat. So you've probably seen she learned how to shotgun a beer by biting the can um, mm. and not using the So I heard you I, teach Fraz. Yes, yes. So she and I were both influenced by the same Pinterest picture. And that's why we both shotgun things now. Yeah. Oh, so, I didn't realize. Okay. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so all to say, I I made it my mission to shotgun a beer at the end of the aisle. I actually, my best friend Colleen's little sister was a guest. She also grew up in the Keys, so she had the can pre-bitten <laughs> while I was <laughs> and like opened the hole, and she was the one that handed it to me at the end. And I shotgun the beer. We got that iconic picture, and now I just shotgun things for fun all the time. <laughs> but it's like I could do I, like I could do dumb stuff like that during my wedding. Cause I felt so comfortable. I shotgunned a beer. My dad dropped me during our father daughter dance. We were just like both on the floor. Like you know, <laughs> we could, we could no, laugh off everything. And actually have a good time. I, I agree. We, yeah, nothing like things did not go perfect for my day. So we woke up, it was a fine day, like morning. Um, all of a sudden we turn on the, so the wedding was at the house that we were staying at. We turn on the faucets, no water. 10 a.m. We were, I was going to get ready. I was going to start getting ready at 1030. I like had my alarm set because I was a little anxious. Like I was just trying to like relax in the morning. So like 1030 was like, I'm getting ready. 10 a.m. No water. There was like a water main break down the road. So none of the block had water. (laughs) So 
it was just, I was like, you know what? It's fine. I don't need to shower. My hair's fine. Like Sergio, meanwhile, is running around playing soccer with our nieces. He's all sweaty. My dad is like all sweaty. My dad went and took a, like a, an ocean bath. Like he brought soap out there. <laughs> like nobody, Sergio was like pouring water on his head to like do like a, <laughs> it was crazy. Um, yeah, but it was fine. The, the water eventually came back on in time for the caterers to get there and like the chef to start cooking, which that would have been the biggest issue was, was we had like a little caterer. Um, what else went wrong? Oh, I was supposed to wear a flower crown. It arrived. I hated it. It was not my bouquet loved. Saw my bouquet, like died, saw the table arrangements died. The flower crown I don't know. This florist is like amazing and she was really busy. And so she ordered one and it, it didn't match at all. And so I was like, you know what? We'll just forget that. But I was like in this mindset of like, nothing can touch me. I am fine. Like I am getting married no matter what happens. It's going to be a great day. Like all, all that. Um, Oh my God. What? Oh, we got married in the Catholic church. Our priest, we went to a, we did a rehearsal the day before and the priest was like, he could not form a coherent sentence. We, we didn't, there was a little bit of a language barrier maybe. Um, but it was, it, it seemed like he didn't even know how a marriage mass was supposed to go like the, like the different steps. And so we were like, Oh my fucking God, what are we doing here? Like we should have just gotten married on the beach. Like all this anyways, day of, Oh, he did the best job ever gave the best little homily had the most amazing message about love. Like he pulled that shit together. It was incredible. And it just like, yeah, I, I just, it, it, like, I was so present throughout the day. I ate, I ate everything we had. Like, we took amazing photos. I loved my dress, felt so great in it. Sergio looked bomb in his green suit. Like, I just, it was just happy. And then the best part, too, about like getting married on a Tuesday and having the rest of the week is that then we got it out of the way. Everyone arrived on Sunday rehearsal Monday, wedding was Tuesday. And then we were there for like four more days. And it was amazing. Like just like no stress, just enjoying just, yeah, it felt I've been to, or I've heard other people say kind of like big wedding is like a little bit anticlimactic. And this, this was just like a week, a week of celebration and, and for probably cheaper than a lot of people spend on their big, um, big wedding. So it was amazing. So I don't if know anyone listening is thinking about doing small, like just do it. You got it. You oh, do yeah. it. Uh, so yeah. many benefits. I, all my friends that have been considering it, I wholeheartedly 1000% encourage them to. And I don't know if you feel this way, but not for everybody putting that out there, but it seems like sometimes when you go into any situation with the attitude of nothing can touch me, I can overcome it. Everything falls together anyway. And it's yeah. so much more of a delight as well. I mean, if, if, if we were so high, strong and anxious and worried that everything was going to go right, it's just going to be like a constant stumbling of disappointment and then be anticlimactic. Cause you're just 
harping on all of the things that are going wrong, have gone wrong, what's going to go wrong next. And you're not going to be present. Like you have the ability to be, and then you're not going to have a wedding memory. That's, you know, delightful. It's just going to be clouded by saying before we go, I do have five fun questions that I want to ask you that I'm actually really excited about. What would you say is like a simple go-to accessible uniform for someone that wants to be trendy, but doesn't have a lot of time? Wide leg pants. Um, I think, I think wide leg pants, they look a little bit more structured. They feel a little elevated versus a skinny or even like a straight. I think wide just adds, it adds a little flair. Um, and they're, and they're easy. So a wide leg pant. And then I think to, depending on the season, but right now, like I'm really into a little fitted turtleneck top and then you could layer a cardigan whatever you've got around a cardigan a pullover sweater a jacket i think that's a great uniform and mules mules are great i think uh they can be flats they can be heels so yeah i would say a wide leg pant um I love, they don't make them anymore but the Madewell Emmet i always buy them on Poshmark the Emmet wide leg They've got them on Poshmark or the Anthropology, and they're an investment, you know, the Anthropology Colette Crop Wide Leg. But if they're going to be your go-to and they fit well and they're comfy, so wide leg pant, a, a fitted tee or a turtleneck, and then some kind of a third layer. So a jacket, a cardigan, a pullover sweater, and then some mules. I like that. You, that was really well put together. Good, good okay. on the spot. Someone has asked me that before and I didn't have the answer oh. and I didn't have the answer. Yeah. And so, and I thought about it and well, I, I kind of came up with it eventually, but I have been thinking about it. Like, what is my, like, if I wake up and I hate my outfit, like what's the thing I go for? And it's probably wide leg pants and, and yeah. Awesome. Didn't disappoint. What's your favorite <laughs> way to spend time with Ugo? Um, cuddling on the couch. He's the cutest okay. when he wakes up in the morning or when he's like sleepy at night. He's like such a little love bug and he just wants to be next to you and sleep on you. And it's the cutest. Do you sleep with him? Yes. Oh yeah. Okay. We are That's so kind of obsessed. We are just as attached to him as he is to us. Like he is our, <laughs> you do That's too. Awesome. Oh yeah, we have two chocolate labs and we have the girl sleeps in between both of our pillows and she'll alternate she'll like one of us will be sleeping on our side and she like puts her head on our neck and then sleeps there and so she alternates throughout the night and then my dog Scout cuz we had we had them before. Um my dog Scout will sleep at the foot of the bed like in between my legs. Um oh. and then he'll put his like head on my butt. <laughs> <laughs> so wow, that's a lot more space than Ugo. Ugo, I mean, he takes up space, but he's not as big as a chocolate lab. Oh my god! <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So we do have to have a king size bed, um, mm. and they really like to spread out. So mm -hmm. yeah, we we accommodate for them. Um, what is something that is going to be or is a part of your current lifestyle routine that you're just loving that makes you feel elevated every day? Got it. Um, my, doing my own dip nails, my nails, having my nails done, I do them myself. Um, 
having my nails done makes me feel like a million bucks. I have, ha- I've been doing them now since, since mid 2020. Um, and so, but I, I love it and it, it makes me feel always put together. Mm-hmm. What's a resource. And I'm so glad you said this earlier. What's a resource, a book or a podcast that you always recommend to people? Um, anything by Taylor Jenkins Reid for books. Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, Daisy Jones and the Six. I've just been thinking about rereading Daisy Jones because it's coming out um, on the show. I just read Carrie Soto's back. Incredible, incredible. Um, Malibu Rising. She's my fa- she's my fave. Yeah, hundred percent. Anything by her. It is weird because whenever I, I read, I read um, Seven Husbands, um, Daisy Jones, and Malibu Rising. And it's like every time I read one of her books, the plots like aren't necessarily that riveting, but the way that she develops characters, you you just get invested and pulled in. And by the end, it's, it's just such great storytelling, such approachable and realistic storytelling. Yes. She, it's, it's very rare that I find an author that can do that. Um, yeah, you got it. Have you read Carrie Soto? No, okay. Is it? Because I read the um, description; it sounded similar to Malibu Rising, with because the one of the main characters there was a tennis star, and there was a whole tennis story there. So I was okay. curious, kind of. That's another thing I love about her books is like some of the characters overlap, and there's like okay. so that, yeah. That, so okay. she, the main character, overlaps with one character in Malibu Rising, and so. My baby, join us for a second. Yes. Sorry. Hi, baby. <laughs> <gasps> oh my God, what a cutie! Look at his big eyes. I know they're really getting big. He just popped his first tooth too. Um, no way. Okay. So Carrie Soto is from Malibu Rising. Yes, there is a oh, brief you. mention of her, and so I, I think oh, you'd really like it. Woman? Yes. So you okay. kind of, it's fun. Like you get to, and, and same thing like with, I think there's a crossover in Seven Husbands with Malibu Rising. Cool. That is really I cool. think it's really, I just think it's so fun. Like, I think, I feel like I'm an insider. Like now that yeah, I, like, you know. Those, um, Easter eggs. She dropped yes. a little Easter egg. Okay. Yes, definitely Easter eggs. Yeah. Um, and then my last question is, what is something people would find surprising about you? Maybe that, like, I'm pretty athletic. Um, I grew up playing a bunch of sports. Um, I grew up playing. You definitely give me soccer girl vibes. Yeah, so I didn't play soccer because my mom asked if I wanted to sign up again. I played one year and I said, no, it's too much running. And then I, so I played fast pitch softball, I played basketball, I played golf, I played volleyball. Um, My two sports in high school were volleyball, I played volleyball, and I played golf, Um, like JV. But I did grow up golfing. And so, yeah, I've been getting into soccer, though. My husband is a big soccer player. He plays soccer in D.C., and that's, like, how we've met majority of our friends. Um, but sometimes I'll sub in for his team, but I'm not, I'm not a soccer player, but I, I think I can hold my own. <laughs> that's badass. And I, it's so cool that you play, um, golf too. Like that's, 
it's it's I think it's important for everyone to learn one of those like upper class sports. Yeah, I think it's cool too. Like women playing golf is, yeah. I think just empowering in a lot of ways and and you think it's like a guy's sport and it's really fun yeah yeah that is a fun fact i would never have guessed that okay before we go shout yourself out where can people find you how can we support you where are you thank you i am on instagram as the trendy senorita and then i'm on tiktok as that pom-pom teacher and i'm also on instagram as lucy elizabeth studio and it's been a little bit since I've had a pom-pom earring drop because my husband has been injured. Um, but my plan is to have one real soon. So watch out for some pom-pom earrings coming soon. Okay, good. Keep me keep me posted with that. I'll shout you out everywhere. Okay, cool. Will do. This ended up being so much fun. It was so Thank fun. You. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Unbranded with Misty and Loves You. I hope that you had just as much fun as we did. If you like this episode or any of my episodes, I would love if you liked, subscribed, followed, whatever you do on podcasts, left a comment, a review. It would mean the world to me. It would keep me going for an entire two weeks, if you can believe it. Until next time, Misty and Loves You. Same time next week.